listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we're being joined by Eric Upchurch with Active Duty Passive Income. He's coming to us from Northern California. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So can you just get us kicked off telling us a little bit about your story, where you came from, how you got interested in real estate? And, and no problem. So oh, yeah. So we serve mostly the military community right now. And because we uh, at Active Duty Passive Income come from the military and several of us are active duty as well still. So basically I bought a house. My first kind of introduction to real estate investing was by accident, which is the case for most military members. We have access to the VA loan, which allows us to buy property at 0% down, no PMI. And you can even roll in the VA loan funding fee and the closing costs into the loan. So literally, I mean, I bought my first property in 2006. My home, primary residence, this is an owner-occupied loan. So it's not an investment strategy necessarily or investment loan type. I was deployed in Iraq. My wife was home, obviously, and we purchased our first property in 2006 and lived in it for a few years. And when I exited the military, that then became a a rental, of course, right? And that happens to a lot of military members. So what we're doing actually on the other side of it now is we have a nationwide brokerage where we are educating real estate agents to treat military buyers as potential future investors first. So if they're analyzing properties that they buy to live in, you know, with the mindset around it's going to, in the future, you know, in maybe two years or one year, it might be a rental property and they're buying right. What are the parameters around the VA loan? So I know like a lot of people will house hack and, and you know, they can buy up to four units with like an FHA loan, but they have to live in it for a year and then they can go do it again. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of restrictions do you face with the VA loan for that that type of strategy. Yeah, so good good question and and we that's why we wrote this book. Our book is Military House Hacking and it's actually free on our website, number one bestseller on Amazon and the digital copy is free so people if you're in the military and watching this you can go to activedutypassiveincome.com and get the book for free. And it talks about all of it. So military house hacking really is just getting educated on some basics. We do go over good debt, bad debt, assets, liabilities, and kind of some of the structural foundational stuff for financial literacy. But then we dive into what can you do with a VA loan, which is really, you can, I'll just give you a scenario. You can buy a fourplex with no money down. Again, it's owner occupied. So you have to live in one unit, but you live in one unit and cash flow, you know, you rent out the other three units and you're actually receiving basic allowance for housing as well as you're a military member. So let's say this is an active duty service member doing this as they move from one duty station around the country to the next, they can buy a property, zero down, no PMI, and imagine buying a fourplex, no money out of pocket. And people are doing it now, we're teaching it, and just kind of opening people's eyes really to the fact that, I mean, because you don't, no one tells you that. In fact, if you're talking to a local real estate agent and you're a military base, most of the time they don't know that with the VA loan, you can buy a fourplex, nor do they think that someone would want to do that for some reason. So it's a great loan to use and it's unlike any other loan product out there. Only people who have served actively or in the past have access to this in the United States. So it's an amazing loan product. And so imagine doing that and then you get PCS or permanent change of station to another, you get orders to another duty station and you move on, but you still own that asset. So you can refinance that at, you know, you have to have the the right LTV and you have to qualify for the loan, of course, but you can convert that to a conventional loan 
and then go and buy another fourplex at your next duty station with no money down. So you're just doing that over and over again over a 20-year period in the, in the military. You might own 40 units that you put no money into. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, no, that is awesome. So what about on your story? So you started, you didn't buy a fourplex because you, no. you didn't even know didn't what know. you were doing. No so, idea. So you bought the first house and you, you converted it to a rental. What did the numbers look like on that? How much did you cash flow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I bought it because it was like a new shiny object in 2006. Really good time to, to right. have a, a right. 100% LTV property, right? But it was my wife and my first property that we bought. We were newlyweds and you know we wanted to buy a new construction property at the time. And the economy was booming in 2006. And we we're like, this right. is going to be great. <laughs> and it was okay. It ended up being okay because we were able, when we moved out of there four years later, we were able to make... And you know, net cash flow about eighty bucks a month, which is fine. Our our mortgage was getting paid for at least. Sure. But anytime there was a maintenance call, it burned a couple months of cash flow, right? So right. now, you know, I look at something quite a bit differently. And if I'm buying single family, which I don't anymore, but if I was, I would be considering the one percent rule at very least and just really looking at my bottom line and I wouldn't buy anything if unless I'm making, you know, maybe two hundred bucks net positive cash flow a month on a single family. So I know you're really involved in large multifamilies today. Did you jump straight from that first house to that? Or was, is there a story in between where you yeah, dabbled was, with other rentals? Yeah, definitely a little bit of a story in between. So, you know, after that buying that fast forward 10 years, I'm back in the San Francisco Bay Area. My wife and I used a VA loan to buy our first home in California. I could barely afford the payment. It was, a, again, a VA loan zero down on $500,000 house, which is the cheapest house we could find. It was actually an attached unit. That, that um, same house would probably be uh, 200000 in, in that, Louisiana. That, that same house is now nine fifty. also. <laughs> so it went from 500000 to six ninety in two years. We sold it and bought another house. So, we're, so now at this point, we're thinking, our eyes were kind of open to the live-in flipping strategy. We have two boys and we're taking them in tow and renovating the property. So the first one was all market appreciation. Thankfully, in the Bay Area, we were able to capitalize on that. But then we were kind of being intentional about, about riding the market appreciation wave, but also adding to that, how can we force appreciation? So we bought a house near the beach in Capitola, a little sleepy uh, beach town near Santa Cruz, California. And we converted it from a four bedroom to a three bedroom to expand the master bath. And we, we put some money into renovating this thing to make it a very nice kind of two blocks from the beach type of house. And because of that, it appreciated 250K in nine months. So oh, we wow. sold that property, moved to our next one, did it one more time. And so there's that kind of piece. But in the meantime, I'm like reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I'm also went to a single family fix and flip conference, a boot camp type of thing where I paid, sure. you know, 30K, which was like all the money I had at the time to go Did through the training. I got upsold, upsold <laughs> to the next thing, upsold to the next thing. But what I got out of that was a great relationship with a, a high-end custom home builder who renovated my property on the beach or near the beach. So he did it for no, he just, he's just like, just pay my guys labor and pay for all the materials. And I was just running to Home Depot every day, you know, getting my military discount, getting all the, all the materials. Right. So he did it. So I ended up making quite a bit more money than I paid because I, I was intentional about making that relationship happen and just eyes open at that, at that conference. But 
So anyway, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'm reading, uh, and then the knowledge snowball starts, right? In real estate sure. investing, it's, I was like, think and grow rich. And then the next <laughs> book, and then the cash flow quadrant, and then just eating up as much information as I possibly could. But after doing three live-in flips, I knew that there was something, I, I was like, what do I do now? I have, we've built cash. It was kind of our capital building phase, you know? Mm. And there's tons of ways to build capital too. You could flip, uh, you could wholesale. I get this question all the time. What do I do? I don't have any money. Well, we were living flipping, but you could actively flip. You could wholesale. There's a whole bunch of different things you can do to make, make up enough money to, to go on to your next thing. And that's kind of what we were doing. So I bought a turnkey property with some of the cash that we made, which is literally just tenant in place, renovated, buy it. And it's cash flowing. One of them's cash flowing. I have two of those. One of them's cash flowing like 300 a month. One of them's cash flowing 500 a month when they pay, of course, which is a drawback to single family. But then I was like, okay, my buddy has syndicated 2 billion in assets. And I didn't know anything about multifamily, but I went, talked to him and he was like, here's the scenario. If you invest $100,000 into... Let's just give you an idea. He was just talking to me just openly because I've known him since college. And he goes, had you invested $100,000 with me on this deal, I would have paid you back $290,000 over the course of five years. And I just went, what? <laughs> like, talk about FOMO. I, I was like, okay, yeah. how can I get no, into the next one? No, no trips to Home Depot either. <laughs> no, Exactly. <laughs> Then I was like, okay, there's something there. So I'm a limited partner on 439 doors with with one deal that I did with him. Then fast forward a little bit more, I co-founded Active Duty Passive Income with Mike and Markion. And Markion had been following Rod Cleef and I had a ticket to his LA boot camp. And this is almost two years ago. It's like 23 months ago. So I went because he couldn't make it because he's still active duty Marine. And that was like drinking through a fire hose. Yeah. But I, what I realized there is that Joe Schmo, average guy, can buy multifamily apartments. I didn't think that was the case. So here I am like trying to figure out how to flip houses in Kansas City with my buddy and I have a couple turnkeys and I'm like living, flipping, all this active like pain in the butt stuff. And then I was like, okay, well, if it's going to be a pain in the butt either way and it's going to be active either way, I would rather have a hundred doors than one, right? Right. So... Then I, you know, really started going from there. And, and last year, 2019 was an amazing year for us. We closed almost 600 doors and, you know, we're doing really well and, and looking forward to the future. So now it's all multifamily. Awesome. So what type of asset classes do y'all go after? Yeah, multi and we closed a mobile home park. Within multifamily, are, are you sure. going C-class and bringing it up to a B? Or are you looking for yeah, A-class? Yeah, B and C. No A. We're not, we're not doing A. We're just going slow and steady. We want to make sure whatever we buy is going to meet our investors' needs, but it's also going to be something that's stable. And we all have a lot going on as well. We have five brands at ADPI, you know, the ADPI community. We have an education company. We have a first ever 100% employee-owned mortgage branch. Never been done before with no debt, which is amazing. So we're able to provide loans better, cheaper, faster than most because we don't have the overhead of big banks. An insurance company, we have ADPI Helps, which is a PTSD and addiction support outlet. So there's so many different things going on and we're buying apartments. And by the way, we all have full-time jobs as well. So we have to just, every apartment asset we buy, we need to make sure we have the right team in place, boots on ground, asset managers are rocking and rolling. We all take part in that as well, which is kind of fun. I actually enjoy the asset management piece. But you know, we're not in a hurry to buy assets right now. We are waiting to see 
how certainly this year goes and we're, we are writing LOIs and we're close on a couple deals right now, but the numbers have to pan out better than ever before for us. So, so the brand, that's quite an accomplishment there. Where did it start and then how did it evolve? And, and yeah. being that everybody's still working full time, who's doing it? I, I mean, I get envious or jealous, whatever you want to call it. You know, I see your content that you're putting out all the time and it's awesome. I mean, the content about real estate's awesome. The, the way you're helping people is awesome. They're, I mean, you're constantly in my news feed and my, my Instagram and my Facebook. Who's putting out all of the content? Because I can't keep up. I, you know, I, I try and I get about like, one post a, a, every couple of days. So what are y'all doing to streamline that? Who's contributing what? And just tell us that, that kind of story about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the background for sure. And I'll, I'll give your listeners a, a helpful hint. What really will help is to create, a, is to, and what we did was build a community first. Find a niche. Military real estate investing is, is a very specific niche and one that has inherent trust built in. So there's some fortunate piece of that. But we built a community first based around Mark Yon, our CEO, my partner. He wrote the ebook. The condensed, there was a shorter version of this book that we published called Military House Hacking. And he was just, he wanted to show people what his path was to learning about real estate from a military perspective. So it originally was an ebook that he put together and then a Facebook group. Now, the Facebook group, when I found Mark Yon and Mike, was about, I don't know, less than 100 people. And what we started doing was adding content. I remember doing, I remember Mark Yon saying, Eric, we got to figure out a way to provide content in here. I need you to do, you work from home, so I need you to do Facebook Lives. So our first value add piece was me just in there, other than the book, of course, was me in there, like I was nervous. Like I had a <laughs> script ready for my first Facebook Live. And I was like, what do I say about this living flipping thing that I'm doing in the Bay Area? But now it's, now here's what happens. You build a community around a niche that people can relate to. When you do that without a product, do not create a product to sell. You build a community and you add at least five pieces of, of free content on a revolving basis, whether that's Facebook Lives or blogs or a podcast or an ebook or a pamphlet or whatever you want to do, newsletter. Just create that free content to give people a sense that they belong in that community. And when you do that, you'll have organic traffic starting to come to you. And when you have that happen, here's what happened to us. All of a sudden, we had a guy, he's now our CMO, our chief marketing officer. He understands SEO. He's, I'm a military guy. I understand marketing. Can I, can I come help you guys build this thing? Sure. Okay. We just had a kid come to, I say kid because he's 20 years younger than me, almost. And he's like, hey, uh, I see you guys aren't doing a whole lot with your Instagram account. I know Instagram is, is actually really funny. He doesn't know how to use Facebook. <laughs> he's like, I understand Instagram really well. So our Instagram now is, is expanding quite a bit because he's really good at about what he does, but he just wants to help. And for that, we teach him how to invest in real estate. You know, he's 21-year-old uh, Air Force guy, I think. Really go-getter guy. But so you start, my point is you start bringing people to you through organic traffic because you're providing educational pieces and educational value to people. So because we're providing all this content, our Facebook group now is almost 10,000 people with, we have 854 people waiting to get in and which we can't even keep up with. And that is something we, we laughing the other day because we can't get, every time we add a hundred people, another hundred people will come in. So we can't <laughs> even get below 800, which is a great problem to have, but still a problem we're working through. 
But then, um, then how do you keep engagement high? Our engagement rate at 10,000 people is 94% and has been consistently for over a year. So you have people engaged because they're getting positive energy, but also positive answers, and they get content coming to them all the time, free content. So I think that's kind of the key. And then, you know, we, now we have this mortgage branch, the same thing happened. They say, we see what you guys are doing in the military real estate education space. You're the leader in that industry. So how about you start this mortgage branch for us and here's what it could do for your people. So now we have a financial services division. So it's amazing how that kind of snowballs. Awesome. So the question I ask myself a lot of times when I'm working on this content, because it's, there's not a direct connection between, you know, input and output. It's, and especially in the beginning, it's hard to see the connection, but so I was, is it worth it? But obviously it is, you know, you're spinning off other businesses. I would imagine a lot of the capital raising for your, for your large multifamily deals is probably a spinoff of that, that community you've built. Zero. None, okay. none, none of it. So here's, here's another thing. And we can talk about this. We just sure. in multifamily. We are intentional about zero solicitation in our Facebook group. And that, that applies to us as well. So ADPI as an entity on its own, we have ADPI capital, which is another sole and separate entity that we, so we have a lot of, a lot of emails, a long email list that we could use. We do not. And we do not solicit, even if we had a 506C, which our last two deals were 506C deals. So we're allowed to advertise technically, but we did not advertise one time in our own Facebook group over the six months it took us to close this 80 unit, this last 80 unit, which was an arduous task. We did not advertise to our own community because we don't believe in solicitation. We believe in value add in our group. Awesome. So, So where are you finding the money then? Yeah. So just to, just to be open with your listeners, that was one of the things that we found was an issue is how do we find the money? We had this deal under contract and we go, okay, well, we got to hammer the phones. Who do we know? We can advertise on LinkedIn or we can advertise on our own Facebook pages, but they have to be accredited. And who do we know? So we just started hammering the phones and it took us longer than we thought to raise the money. So to your listeners out there who are getting into multifamily, always be raising capital. I mean, always. You need to be because a deal could come along and, and it could be the sweetest deal in the world. But unless you have that equity piece figured out, you might have to wholesale it or give it up. How much did you have to raise? 1.25 million on our first deal. So you, you got a deal under contract having no idea where you were going to get $1.25 million from. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we're all hard chargers and, and we have good attitudes about it. And we felt like we could definitely do it. And we weren't terribly worried about it. It's just now in retrospect, we know that the key to this whole thing is always be looking for deals and always be, even if you have a deal, always be, keep that pipeline open. Even if you're not going to write an offer on it, you need to build those relationships with brokers on a continuous basis, not just turning them down because you're under contract, but actually looking through them and, and thinking about it and all that stuff to build the, to build up that rapport long-term. So yeah, it's just, you got to always fill the pipeline of people you can email, of people who are saying, I'm, I'm eager, I'm hungry, I'm looking for the next deal. You know, we have people saying, I've got a million dollars to place. Can I 1031 into your next deal? And so the hardest deal you'll ever do is the first one. Sure. And then the next, next one after that, you'll be like, okay, well, we learned a lot on that first one. You know, obviously you do it the right way because you underwrite very conservatively, but still it's a task to get through it. To be honest, if you're listening out there and just getting started, get ready. 
the first deal is hard because you don't know what you don't know. Hopefully you have some mentors. I would, I would prefer people start kind of on the co-sponsor side. If you can add some value to someone else's deal and, and walk through it with them to get some GP experience before you go do your own deal. I think that's a great idea. But you know, now we're kind of off and running. And, and look, the mobile home community we closed on in December, we had a family office that we connected with funded debt and equity. And so we didn't have to worry about the money piece. And so things evolve over time is all I'm saying. As long as you're out there openly building relationships, you'll get what you need if you just never quit. Got it. Absolutely. So can you run through the numbers for us on one of those deals, either the, yeah. either the multifamily or the mobile home, whichever you prefer? Yeah, sure. We bought the 80 unit for three and a quarter, and which is like 40,000 a door, give or take. And this deal was actually, we liked it because it came with a great story. Most people, you know, in 2019 were buying primary and it's, it takes a lot to get primary markets. And it takes a lot to get investors to be excited about a secondary market. Well, we're buying in a tertiary market near Indianapolis. So how do you pitch that to your investors, right? And we learned that we had to find a property that had a good story. And the story on this one was the owner was out of the country, living permanently out of the country, mismanaged, vastly mismanaged, uh, a lot of deferred maintenance on the property. He did some good stuff. The exterior looked good and the roof was new and the windows were new. So some of the superficial stuff was good for good for curb appeal, hmm. but we knew that there was a lot of interior renovation that could add some value. We could add some value to. And right now we're putting in a playground. There's no, there's a sand pit. That's all there is right now for this thing. But here's the other cool thing is we dug a little deeper and we contacted, I actually had lunch with the mayor of this town. We sat down with the superintendent of the school district and found out that they're building an elementary school across the street. It's currently under construction. And the junior high and high school are on an acreage just behind that. And they're renovating those. So we picked up this property that has a good story. And it has value that other people weren't able to see because they weren't willing to, to dig in deep enough. So it still has its challenges. It's some, it's some things that are interesting. Last weekend, we had one of our tenants got drunk and ran into one of the, one of the blocks of one of the, so an eight unit garage. So not attached, so detached garages, a block of eight. And she, she ran into three of the garages and thankfully there were no vehicles in there. But so, you know, those challenges, but now we're probably it's structurally unsafe. So we're probably going to have to demolish it and either rebuild garages or maybe covered parking, or we could put storage in there. We're looking at what are the tenants using this, these garages for mostly. And if they're using it mostly for storage, which is what we're kind of hearing, we got to think about that for a second. Because if we're charging $30 a month for a garage and they're using it for storage and they go a mile away and pay $100 a month for a storage facility, well, maybe we can charge 80 bucks sure. a month for storage and just build storage right there. Right. So, you know, lots of different things that we're thinking about with that. And you got to always look at the silver lining on that stuff. And that's why we have insurance and things like that. So. Awesome. So what other advice do you have for anybody out there who's, who's looking to get started? Easy. This is the success formula. Write this down. I'll wait till you grab a pen people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So this is what you need to do. The first thing you need to do is to learn everything you can about this business. And you're doing that because, and all of these coincide with each other, but you learn as much as you can about this business because you need to be able to talk the talk. You need to be able to speak the language. Even before you have a deal done, you've got to be able to go into a RIA or wherever you're, wherever you're networking and be able to speak the language of the people who you're trying to influence. Okay. 
So learn as much as you can. You can do that for free. You can do it for paid coaching programs. You can do it wherever. The information is out there. You just have to go grab it. So learn as much as you can. And that's again, podcasts, books, whatever. That rolls right into the next step, which is networking. You got to network your tail off. You got to be able to go to your local meetups, your local RIAs. You got to be able to fly to a conference across the country, right? We know that very well. Yeah, sure do. You got to be able to spend your time away from your family or whatever it is on occasion to get out there and network. It's very important. And most people would stop there with the networking piece, but I'm going to add the, the third thing as a separate piece of the networking, which is adding value. So we talked about adding value a little bit in, our, in your community. You need to find a niche and add value and free content, but you need to add value to other people. This is a relationship business. But I'll go a step further and to say, if you're a connector of people, this is a connection business. So, so hear me out. If I'm at a conference and you and I are hanging out and you tell me, and you're just talking, if you're intentional about looking somebody in the face and saying, how can I help you? Or, or just having a conversation and listening for them, because most of the times people will tell you what their kind of problems are. Not in a bad way, but like what they're looking for. I'm looking for a deal right now. I can't find a deal right now. I'm looking in this market, whatever. Pay attention to what the person's actually saying instead of instead of maybe a superficial conversation where you're kind of looking through them and you know thinking about the next conversation you're going to have. Really focus in on what the person in front of you is saying, and that applies to you at a conference, but also applies to you if you're cold calling someone. The gatekeeper on the other end of a phone call, you need to treat them like gold because they're the ones who can possibly get you through to the acquisitions manager that you're trying to talk to. So be intentional as you're networking with people because if you can connect that with another conversation that you just had and somebody says, I've got this deal, I can't get rid of it. Okay, boom, there you go. You just made a connection and you can say, well, I know that Sterling's got a problem and he can't find a deal right now and you've got a deal. I'm going to connect you. So you're going to be valuable to two people that way. So be intentional through networking with adding value to as many people as you can. Don't worry about yourself. It's tough not to go to these conferences and stuff and, and think about yourself the whole time because I'm away from my family. I need to get this. I need to get this person sure. on my podcast. I need to get this person. And I do the same thing, but I fight it. I have to go, how can I add value to everybody that I'm talking to? How can I connect them with something? So learn, network, add value. And the third piece is take action. If you don't do, if you don't do the action part of it, you'll never succeed. So you have to be willing to get in there. And if you're going to fail, fail on your face, not on your ass. Just go forward and learn as you, as you move forward, adjust fire and do something better the next time. So learn, network, add value, take action. That's the success formula. If you do those things, to be 1% better consistently with intention every day, success will hunt you down. That's it. Absolutely. And very well said. Awesome. So we're just going to wrap things up with our regular radio round just to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. First question we have is, what's your favorite book? Favorite book right now, that's a revolving door, but I would say... Oh, I got two. As long as you don't say rich dad, poor dad, we're cool. No, 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 it's not. Uh, <laughs> you, you said it now. No, it's uh, is David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me and awesome. Jocko Willink, Extreme Ownership. Awesome. I got to interview Jocko this year. and it was I saw so that. I was, it was great. Yeah, I've read both of those. And, and Jocko, I'm a huge Jocko Willink fan. Yeah. What's your favorite quote? So a leader is best when, he, when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim complete people will say, we did it ourselves. And that's a Lao Tzu quote. 
but I like it because, you know, I come from a special operations background. The silent professional is kind of how part of our mantra. And it's something that, you know, it, it resonates with me. If you allow the people that you're leading, uh, first of all, I think it's important to be a, a good follower first. And then if leading is a strong suit of yours, obviously taking that to the next level. But I believe that if you give credit where credit is due, and that kind of comes down to adding value to your team, but sure. you know, a good leader will let, let all the praise go to those, those he's, he's leading. Awesome. Awesome. Couldn't agree more. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Uh, let's see. Favorite thing to do outside of work. I love, I, I'm hes- funny because I hesitate right there because I love working. I love what I do. Right. I get a lot of fulfillment from the military <laughs> investing and mentorship part of my life. So, but just hanging with my family, like I said, two boys that I get to mentor and spend time with. My How wife. old are the boys? They're seven and 10. And oh, wow. actually, actually just put out because of, of what's going on right now in the world, we wanted to add some, some content in our Facebook group. I called it ADPI Kids. And it's just me interviewing my sons on <laughs> the, fu- the fundamentals of, of real estate investing or investing in general. So we talked about budgeting, debt, assets, investments. And then also the last one was um, giving. On Friday, we're releasing the giving, talking about giving, which is a big part of why I do what I do. So, Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining us today. I got a ton of value out of it. I know our listeners are going to too. I really appreciate it. I know you've mentioned it a few times, but please tell our listeners, especially our, our military service members out there, how they can find you, how they can learn more about you, how they can get involved with your community. Yep. If you're military, past or present, you can go to militaryrealestateinvesting.com. That goes right to our Facebook group. Otherwise, activedutypassiveincome.com to get all of our free resources, our free number one bestseller on Amazon. Our podcast is amazing as well. Tons of free resources there, but you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Real Eric Upchurch. Awesome. Thanks again, Eric. Look forward to keeping in contact with you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestworthcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.